Jojo. Oh, um, what a great one. Um, that was a fun one. That, that was, was a fun one. Let's, you know, how's your week gone? So I know it's a Monday. I feel like it's been a minute since we've spoken to the top fans about our lives. Yeah. Um, what's been going on? You're getting into I mean, season. You're like grinding busy, away. Busy as a bee. We've got preseason coming up starting Wednesday. So today got got all the screen pressed, all the gear screen pressed, all the gear ready to go and ready to hit the ground running on, on Wednesday. And, and just, it's exciting. This is like my first, um, preseason experience as a coach. coach. Yes. Real preseason because COVID, you know, obviously real experience. So it's exciting. I I got like, you know, I'm excited for us. Like, I feel like our podcast is going somewhere, but even more so like our lives. So people don't know this about me, but I'm moving to New York sort of Kind of, yeah, kind of period of time. I'm going to be coming back and forth to Raleigh, so don't worry. The toppers are we're full force ahead. Um, but I, I'm really excited. Like I feel like our careers outside of the show are kind of flourishing in ways. But they, the, because like I work in marketing and do a lot of like skills around that, and you work in coaching, like it kind of still it like kind of adds to the podcast. Anyways. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really excited for us. Like I feel like we have a lot planned for the podcast coming up. Uh, today's episode that you guys are about to listen to is like one of the best yet. You know, Gabby Seiler is just the shit. Her story is awesome. awesome. She's a pillar of mental health and her journey, I think it inspires me, frankly, um, as just like a friend and somebody that has seen it since the beginning. But um, I really like how candid she got. And I feel like the more we talk to these women and get to know them, I'm like, wow, like, you know, there's just so much great in the league but there's also still a journey that we're all on in terms of improving it and I think the league is full force in that effort as well um and but I it's think nice to hear it from their mouths you know yeah, they're experiencing think, it exactly and I think what's really cool is that you know both of us have experienced it as well so we're able to kind of relate on that like visceral level of understanding of like what they're really going through and being able to you know hopefully being that medium for them to, to use their platform and to, to comfortably speak about, you know, what they're going sure. through in, in, in all those different aspects. So I think it's, it's really cool. And, you know, Gabby's awesome. And we've, I've had plenty of battles with her in Concord fire. Heck, um, yeah. She's a part uh, of, it was, it was always, it was, it was a good time always going up against her when we were little, that's for sure. And I actually, before we enter you into this podcast, I want to take a moment and shout out one, give kudos to my partner in crime here, Joanna, for her incredible work on our t- TikTok. I'm going to tell everyone in the crowd, <laughs> I am not going to TikTok. Joanna has taught herself and run with it. And she's funny as hell. And I, I honestly am like my own personal fan, despite it being attached to the podcast. And so if you are not following us on TikTok, you need to go give this girl and our podcast some love. We got over 5,000 views on one. Yeah, we are loving the, the the attention right now, but we need more people to engage with us. Um, and please, as I always say, and I just feel like I need, always need to reiterate, like we love to hear from people who listen to the podcast. Yes. Whether you have a question, whether you just want to chat, whatever. If you want to add to the fire. The DMs are open. The DMs yeah. are open. Not only the top one, but the personal. You just chat us and we are ready to chit chat with you. We love doing this and we want to engage more. Um, and we're going to have some cool opportunities for fans to participate with the podcast coming up soon. So um, we just appreciate it. And uh, I think this is going to be great. This podcast with Gabby Seiler. Any final thoughts, Joe, before we send them over to the pod? You're in for a treat. Enjoy. So, Gabby, yeah, you grew up in Atlanta, Concord Fire kid, as Joe likes to say, super stud from, you know, being a little baby boo. Consistent on the Region 3 team, used national team player. You know, we know the whole deal, college, now in the NWSL. Now, what many of our guests don't know is that you, my dear, were a stud basketball player, which we need to get into first, because this is like a little double athlete, dual sport kind of action. And I feel like a lot of kids these days get really pressured. Like, okay, I'm 11. You're like, you're 11. They're like, yep, can't play a sport anymore, but one sport. And I'm like, wait, Mm -hmm. you're 11. But like, it really is like 
how the world's steering these days. So talk a little bit about, you know, having this love for two sports and not really making a decision, right? Like you ended up obviously going the soccer route, but how was it growing up being very talented, seeing in a, like a way in which you could use either sport to kind of play collegiately and, and your goals after the fact, how did you devote time to both? Um, and maybe, I don't know, did you have that pressure? And if so, like, how did you kind of like keep people out of that? Cause I know for myself, like my club coach was like, no, like I got to a point where they're like, you're not playing high school soccer. Mm, yeah. Like, but these are my friends. Like, I want to play with yeah. My yeah. But they just, everything, they wanted all your time and all your energy. So yeah. Talk about yeah. that process a little. So yeah, basically I grew up just always around sports. I've started with softball actually. So I was like playing softball, basketball and soccer, like pretty competitive competitively till probably middle school. And then I had to like pick two because at that point I was doing three and I actually did not have a left. <laughs> like, I feel like my life was sports, which I loved because I had friends that those were my friends and I loved that. But then I decided to pick two. And it's funny because I look back and I'm like, both my basketball coach and my soccer coach both like wanted me to, to be, you know, in one, but I was just like, no, I'm not doing that. And I remember kind of having to have like these conversations with them at like 14 where I was like, listen, no, like I love both of them. I don't know which one I want to play in college yet. And I'm not willing to give one up, but, and luckily my high school basketball coach was amazing. And his kids both grew up, played soccer in college. So that helped because he couldn't be like, you can't play soccer, you know? So having him was great. But then my club coach, he absolutely hated that I played basketball and I just, Shout out like I was Brian just always, Moore. always the club coach, always the club coach. <laughs> Shout out. out Brian Moore. No, he hated that I played basketball and I just kind of had, I mean, I definitely wasn't well liked because of that, but I loved them both so much and I wasn't willing to give them up, but it was so tough because I would literally go, I remember, especially in high school, I would go to like high school basketball practice right after school, change, get in the car. My parents would drive me straight to club practice. And I feel like looking back, I didn't realize probably that probably wasn't the best thing for me, but like you're near in high school, like you don't get sore. No, you don't. It's incredible. No, you're like, I don't even stretch. And you get to call no, you don't, you don't Why does my stretch. body kill me. Then you get to pro and you're like, what is, I'm a what? grandma. Oh, I feel like I got to buy a bus like every day. <laughs> no, but yeah. So I feel like I just didn't, it was just like my lifestyle and I just kind of yeah. went with it and I didn't really commit to. <laughs> yeah. I hate the war. Sorry, McLean just walked in. But yeah, so basically I just didn't really even think twice. Like I just feel like I just kind of went went to one, went to the other, and just didn't have a life as far as like a social life. But like we didn't have a social life anyway. So let's be honest. Also to to because Gabby won't say it herself. I know Gabby also the all-time leading point scorer. You have all-time leading points at Macintosh, which I've now learned is a massive school. And that is a very difficult thing to do. And to give you props, we had a, a, a recruit come in who also plays basketball at Macintosh. And I was like, oh, like, do you know the name Gabby Seiler? And they're like, the legend. Yes. They're like, oh my God, she's a legend. Uh, and so I was like, well, also, she's going to be on the pod, wait, so you should listen. Joe, let's not miss either. I haven't got to it, but she also almost played for Florida. Just a D one. You ended up did you ended up playing and then her training. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. We'll get. Well, into no, that. that's yeah. part of it. I want to know about yeah. that process. So, <laughs> I mean, talk about growing up, right? This girl's grinding. Then you like are playing, and then you're at Florida, and like talk. What? How did it happen? My mind was like, "Yep, it's time. <laughs> We're kicking out the Jordans, and we are going after this basketball dream." Talk so about that. So I had hurt my knee, like kind of in the middle, I got not the middle towards the end of my senior year, but they were like, you don't need surgery. So I kind of let it heal. And then, um, basketball season rolls around and there was a new coach and the coach, he actually ended up, he was the assistant coach at Georgia when I was there. And so he actually recruited me for basketball and when I was in high school. And so then he needed players, (laughs) which like, I don't know how, like, I don't know how this even came about, but Becky, my coach was like, 
yeah, Cam like brought up the fact that he needed some like players and like your name was brought up and like, I'm just going to throw it out there. Like, don't feel any pressure. And I was like, that's cool. Sure. And I did not realize what I was going to get, get myself into, because let me just tell you, it is the biggest commitment because it is like film, like the most film you have ever watched, like film overload, like to the details so I can't travel. even describe. So travel. Much. Yeah. And it's just like, I feel like soccer. And I don't know if it was because like they were kind of in a rebuilding phase. So like they're all eyes are on you. But like soccer, I feel like I did kind of have a life outside of that. But like basketball was like, no, I felt like I spent so much time at the gym, like more time than I've ever spent. And I'm trying to learn like 150 plays. Point <laughs> <laughs> guard. So do you think it was then like, do you think it was then almost reaffirming your decision of, to play soccer? 100%. Yeah. I, I don't think I would have made it because just those three months that I was there, I was like, this is so difficult and so much work and it it made me realize like how much like how much respect I have for basketball players because and I know we watched so much film too I just think it was so because there's like not as many of us either there was like I think 11 of us in total so you know and like our teams are much bigger in soccer so I was like yeah thank god I chose the soccer <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> So let's rewind a little bit before Florida. So we haven't really talked about this process a lot transferring. So you go to Georgia, you're a Georgia kid. You end up going to UGA for two years yeah. and you then you have a very, very successful career. And then you decide to transfer in conference, which meant you had to sit out. Sit out. Right. Talk us through about that process. What led you to transfer? What led you to transfer within a conference? Uh, cause I think that's also a, a really interesting point is that you possibly could have gone somewhere else and immediately played, but what made you want to transfer? What made you choose Florida? And just to talk a little bit about that process. And sorry, just a disclaimer for those on the pod that don't know in women's soccer, when you transfer, cause I'm also a transfer, you can play immediately. If you change conferences, if you transfer within your conference, you have to redshirt a year. Yeah. Right. See, yes. Good disclaimer. So basically at the end of my two years, like, you know, Joe, like I'm from Georgia, yep. I'm close with my family. I, I wanted to just stay close to home. I feel like I'm a homebody. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I feel like I committed to Georgia when I was like a freshman in high school, which like yeah, looking back, why? <laughs> yeah, That's like the first thing I just feel like one, I didn't even know what I was committing to, to be honest. And I feel like you don't really know until you don't, you just don't even know who you are really. So I feel like, no. I don't No, you don't. And I just feel like it was more of a comfort decision. Like it was, I was close to home. I could drive home on the weekends and all of that. And it was just easy. And they were also a pretty good soccer school at the yeah. time. So it was kind of, that's kind of why I went there in the first place. And then at the end of my two years, I felt like I was kind of at a point where I maybe wanted to play pro. And I just felt like, well, one of my coaches got fired at the end of, our NCAA tournament which that part really wasn't a big deal to me I was okay with staying it was more just I think from an individual standpoint felt like I just kind of was at a standstill I didn't I just I felt like I needed to grow like I needed to get Mm -hmm. outside of my comfort zone and like go to a new state with like completely new people and I feel like I just needed it from like a personal standpoint and then a soccer standpoint I also needed that too like I think to just improve because I feel like I just wasn't getting better and I wanted to go into a program that was kind of already established. And with like Becky and Alan and Vic, they already had a really good program. I knew the girls there, especially Savannah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Concord kid. Concord kid. Yeah. So I feel like that's actually how it kind of even got started. I had reached out to her and told her that I was, you know, thinking about transferring. And it's weird because looking back, it was like I was transferring to Florida or I wasn't transferring. Interesting. So, yeah. So I don't know why I just, I kind of knew what Becky was about too. And I knew that she, you know, she just did so much outside of soccer too, and kind of just was the whole package. And I had heard that from everyone. So I think for me, it was 100% a soccer decision, but also just like from a character perspective, I just needed to get outside my comfort zone. That's so, awesome. Yeah. It's kind of that whole thing. Well, that's a massive, like, understanding at a young age that 
one, you need to be pushed Two, you need to go somewhere that can potentially get you to your dream, which is to play pro to, to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. Like knowing, you know, going to school down the street and then being shipped off to Chicago, I had to grow really, really fast. Like you don't right. realize I was able to, you know, you always kind of had that crutch. Like you can go home if you need to, mm-hmm. like mom and dad can come help if you really, really need them. Like you right. didn't have to just rely on yourself. So I think that's kudos to you. Um, which is, is really interesting. We kind of, we had, uh, Lex Newfield come from Georgia and transfer into UNC. And it was kind of like, she was like, I want to play pro. Like I right. want, yeah, I, remember, I want, like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It's crazy. You know what though? It's, I'm not shocked you saying that like it was Florida or not, because I remember when I transferred, I was 18. Like it's crazy how much more clarity you have around what you want. Like you're unwilling to settle at 18, I think. In yeah. regards to like, I'm just going to go somewhere to go where when you're 14, you just kind of like, oh my God, they want me. And, yeah. I, and some people don't get me wrong. Most people make the right decision. But like, I know for myself, it was like, oh my God, like night and day. Like, was I, more in a, was I more in a better position to be like, this is what I want. And it right. wasn't like anything was on a platter for me. I just like the whole package was everything I wanted at Virginia. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean- Kudos to you. Cause that, but like, again, that's a really difficult decision and like, you're oh. fully getting out of a very, very comfortable setting Yeah, and it's tough to grow and learn. And I'm sure you learn so much just about life in general and yourself. And no, it was the hardest decision though, because obviously I'm going to Florida, which is in our conference. Yeah. And then I have like all of my really close friends, which and you're some of them took- so it's beyond yeah, exactly. the and yeah. So there's some people that I feel like really supported me um and wanted the best for me and then you also had people who were very bitter yeah yeah and that was really hard for me though because I feel like for the longest time I struggled with like pleasing everybody and like Mm -hmm. wanting to have friends and just wanting everyone to like me and I think after that decision I realized honestly no matter what decision you make you're not going to make everybody happy yep and I feel like I still struggle with that to this day, but I do feel like that was a good stepping stone for me to just like let go of that because it was really hard. So talking about kind of your resiliency as just a human, I think something that's really unique to your story is the fact that you play at Florida, you were very successful, and then you kind of briefly touch on the knee injury that you went through. So Portland takes you in the draft, you kind of in a weird way, but like sort of redshirt your first year right. to, be, yeah. to kind of get healthy. Talk about, I, I know there's a couple other in your position, but I think like in terms of like, okay, I'm leaving this super tight knit college environment and now I have to go play pro. And then on top of it, I'm not really with the team because I'm focusing on my health and they're focusing on like winning and playing in each game. Talk about kind of that like the mental process of coming into the league, having to really devote really your initial couple months strictly on like, okay, how do I get myself healthy? Um, and then also coming back and having an injury, like just the mental, the mental piece and fortitude of, of saying, okay, like I've made my dream, but I'm, I'm kind of like entering it with this huge extra layer of adversity. Yes. How do you kind of approach that going into the league. Honestly, that I remember that year, like coming back from that injury, being like, there's no way I'm going to play pro. Like, I just remember like having so many down days and being like, I would, I would go to Becky's office probably once a week, no joke. And I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I just can't do it. And I remember, and I remember like, she would, you know, let me vent and get it all out. And then, you know, she would just be like, you're going to regret it if you don't try. Mm -hmm. And she kind of just gave me that extra push and really believed in me. And I feel like I needed that because I didn't believe in myself. And that injury was so like that rehab was so hard. And I feel like no one really knows like how, I don't know how I was in such a dark place from that yeah. knee surgery. Cause LCL too, like I, it's not a very common surgery. So I didn't really know anyone who had been through it. Like ACL, I feel like so many people have been through it. We have like a little club, honestly. I just feel like everyone kind of looks, L- sorry looks, just to ask lcl like you cannot turn your foot out right initially yeah no it's like yeah so it's you like, have to be like straight for yes a while. and i was on crutches for 
10 weeks non-weight bearing and I oh lived on the third floor God. of the LCLs are the worst. No elevator. Dude, LCLs are like- 10 weeks worst. non-weight bearing? Yeah. Non-weight bearing, third floor of an apartment in Florida. I had 20 staples and the worst part, <laughs> I had no idea like the extent of this injury until the PT takes my bandage off right after surgery. And I look at my scar and it's this big and I had 20 staples in my, my mom's a nurse practitioner. And I remember her, her face when she saw it and she was like, and I was like, <laughs> so seeing her face, I was traumatized. Well, I remember you posted on Instagram and I was like, oh my God, did she just yeah. have her like leg? Yeah. In yeah. Like, it, was it was so gruesome. And I fun. feel like, so, but to be, to be fair, and I know we'll get into this, but I'm thankful I had that surgery first because I think if it would have been vice versa, like I think if I would have torn my ACL then had this one, I don't know if my mindset would have been the same because that one was so awful. <laughs> ACL seriously felt like a breeze. Wow. So how long, okay. So then you, you come back, how long was it before you kind of made your appearance with Portland and then you tore, it was not, it was a pretty quick turnaround before yeah. So I think we went into pre, I went into preseason, like I had surgery of, I want to say, I don't remember the exact year, but it was like that January. And then I went into preseason the following February. So I okay. had over a year and then I tore my ACL that year in August. Jeez. Actually, like, I think Probably soon, soon. Yeah. Two years from a week, I think. So this is going to sound really weird, but do you get, so I kind of tore my ACL around that time. Do you get like weird vibes? Like, oh, yes. I'm like, I like, will be like really sad. Like around this time. And I'm like, I'm like, mom, why do I feel like really dead? She's like, honey, think about it. Like you tore your, one of your ACLs around this time. I'm like freaking that's what it is. It's like the, the, the feeling in the air. I think what's gutting and I haven't knock on wood. I've been very fortunate. That's Gosh, Tina, people with, with <laughs> knee, people with knee injuries. I hope. I'm always gutted the most as like someone who's ever seen them because I feel like when it's the, when you've had one, you just never forget the sensation. Oh my God. So no. like, I feel like when it happens never again, when someone starts screaming, I'm like, they're not in pain. They just know. They know yes. exactly what just went down. They don't, they're yeah. not in pain. They're just, they literally know. And they're so devastated yeah. by what's coming. Well, yes. when I, Gabs, I, did you tear, was that your first ACL? Yes. Okay. Hopefully first and last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like when I went down with my second one, I wasn't in pain, but like, I just screamed. I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't no. do it. I can't. It yeah. was like, it was. That was me. That was me when yeah. I tore mine. I literally was screaming. I tore my ACL because you yeah. just know. You just know. It's in it's, and it's like, it hits you. When I say it hits you square in the gut, there is nothing that is more gut-wrenching to be honest mm -hmm. because you know what is like especially after I my first one I knew exactly what I had I knew exactly in that split second you know you do and it's so crazy and the weirdest part is I think we're actually because we're playing that tournament in Portland and I think we're playing Portland like the day that I tore my ACL on that field oh no <laughs> which is fine I think it'll be good I think it'll be good to just get it out of the way but kind of cleansing honestly cleansing yeah. honestly, Gabby your story is so compelling and inspiring probably more than you know yeah because it just shows that like even I mean even hearing your LCL 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 story I just feel like it's 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 something it just gives like these because it's, it's scary now but a lot of young kids are getting this like younger yeah. I feel like it's just unavoidable the ACL like we need to I don't know I'm not in science but something needs to be going down in that space like it's a I know space we need to improve but it's amazing because I, I don't know if you guys saw this, but like it was like, you know how like those, it was like Kevin Durant and like two other WNBA players tore their Achilles. Um, oh, yeah. Stewie. Yeah. And then I forget the other girl's name, but it was like they're winning at life. They're all like toast and champagne winning like gold yeah. medals. And I'm like, that's inspiring to me. Like they literally, yeah, an Achilles is. tear is significant. And these are like the best athletes in the world. So, um, it's just a great story to tell. Yeah. And I feel like it's so inspiring to so many people that I know probably listen to this pod and are currently going through whatever it is that you've endured. So that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. And I also like, I put it into perspective. Like I like, even like you, Joe, you've torn your ACL twice and like Caprice has torn hers. Yeah. Like it just puts it into perspective too, that like 
one, your situation, there's always some, somebody out there who has a worse situation or maybe is going through something similar. And I feel like with my ACL, it took me a long time. I feel like I grieved that yeah. one for a while. Like yeah. I was just not okay for like a good three months. And then finally it just hit me like, stop feeling sorry for yourself, Gabby, because I just feel like, and once I came to that point where I just kind of stopped feeling sorry for myself, I feel like that's when I really started to take off in my recovery and like really just nail it. Yep. I could not, if anybody's listening that like is going through this, I could not agree more. Like my first one, I didn't, I kid you not. I denied my first one until I tore my second one. Like I denied that it happened really. And then I tore my second one and I was like, okay, like I've accepted it. Like now it's time to move forward. And once you accept that as an athlete, like you said, your rehab, phew, it's crazy off and so, night and day, to be honest. Yeah. It's, it's a very, you know, flip of a switch. And I know it's people use that a lot, but like, it literally is a flip of the switch. It's like, okay, let's do it. Um, but you touched on it a bit. So I really want to dive into, you've been extremely open about your mental health. And as somebody, both of us who struggle with mental health, I mean, to see somebody be so vulnerable, so honest, so open, like that is what this world needs. That is what the sport needs. Um, and so you started a blog, which is really, really cool. Just yes, which I have it. not been, I've been so busy. I have not even updated it. So that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> but kind of what led you to be so compelled to share your struggles openly to, you know, rather than kind of just keep it to yourself what what made you want to share it with everybody I feel like it's something that's always been in my head and it's like I would have different thoughts or you know different things going on and I feel like I just kind of internalized it and I feel like I read books and I read things you know about mental health but I just feel like it was something that I kept to myself like I don't I wasn't very open with my parents about it I wasn't Mm -hmm. open with my fiance now, like I just wasn't, I feel like I just kind of kept everything to myself. And then I remember being in Portland and like, it was, I think it was right around the time I tore my ACL. And I remember just being like, I need help. Like I, I just, the thoughts I'm having are not normal. I'm so anxious all the time. And, you know, I just like, I feel like I need to talk to somebody. And I feel like it was a difficult time because you know, I don't know. I felt like I was asking for help, but I felt like no one was hearing me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had seen different people and it just, I, I couldn't find the right fit. And I remember just struggling so much trying to find the right person. And like, unfortunately, I feel like our, our medical world and our insurance world, it's not easy no. and it's expensive. And like one, oh. we're in the NW cell, So yeah. our salaries are not great as you all know. <laughs> yep. And so I remember one of my teammates actually, she was seeing somebody and she was paying $110 per session, Jeez, which is just absurd. Like that is just not, especially with our salaries. Insurance didn't cover it? No. And so I just remember going through that and like really struggling to just find the right person. And, but I kept pushing for it and I kept pushing for it. Finally found the right fit, kind of finally figured out what I was feeling, what I was going through. Um, and I kind of just kept pushing and kept choosing myself, I guess, essentially, like I just kept trying to find the right fit and what was covered by insurance, but it was really hard. And I feel like because of what I went through of just trying to find the right fit, it just made me want to just speak about it and let people know the things that I was feeling and the things that, um, I feel like so many of us feel, um, and maybe just don't want to talk about it or don't want to seek help because they're maybe ashamed or all the stigmas that are out there with mental health. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's really, I think I'm going to coin this from Kara Ricard who has her podcast on mental health. It's like being like mentally naked. I feel like it's such a, um, to be someone of influence like yourself who plays in the league and has people following her to have the confidence in yourself to basically be mentally naked, like tell your truth and without, with no fear of judgment, right? Like, you know, it's hard to have negative comments. It's hard to have people say things about you or insinuate things or whatever it may be for you to put that out there. It's for all those that may be saying bad things. I can imagine there's so many more that you're actually impacting in such an amazing way 
um, cause I can speak from my own experience. The minute I realized I wasn't alone was the minute everything got better for me. Like yeah, my transition out of soccer was so challenging for me mentally, not because, you know, I chose to leave, but in the same sense, it was like a breakup. Like I was like devastated. 100%. Yeah. And so I was like, this is weird. Like nobody's going through that. I must just be something's wrong with me. And then I'm like, I met Joe and we talked about our experiences different, but similar. And then you meet more women in that space or whatever space that you're in that's experiencing that. And it's, it just, it, yeah, there's just like warms you. It makes you feel like there are others struggling and it's okay to struggle. And to your right. point, like keep choosing yourself and realizing that like, I, I appreciate someone saying to me, like, I needed to find someone who fit me. Cause I think a lot of people too, like they just go to go and they think like, oh, well, you know, you have to find somebody that you can confide in and have conversation with that fits your personality and your, your needs. And at the end of the day, like <laughs> I will say it on this pod a million times over. I think if there's anything I would say against NWSL that I think needs to be made a priority is the, the availability of mental health providers for these women. 100%. You guys are going, I mean, it's just remarkable to me, like the amount that you guys go through mentally, whether it's, it's not even just injury, just your lives, no, everything. Like, yeah. You don't have expendable incomes. So it's right. like, the least we can do is provide these women well, with an opportunity to talk to somebody about and, what they're going through. And especially like, if you take a step back at it and you look at like the league in general, and if you just say like, Person A is going to live in this city for seven months. And this person then is going in the off season and cannot live in the same place. And then this person has to figure out her income for four months out of the year and their training post, you know, season, then they've got to find a way. And then they get waived. And, and, then, and then they <laughs> get waived. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, please, please add. Then you get waived you know. at the drop of a hat and you have no idea, but then like, they also own your rights as well. So like, you can't freely go anywhere unless they go rights. So like, so like, but no, no, I'm just saying like, they own your rights, but then like, they're not paying you, AKA what happened to me. And then like, then you're all of a sudden, like, what are you supposed to do? Like, right. If somebody just takes a look and then that alone, that alone, how is there not something in place? Like for these women and their mental health, because Joe, but Joe, you forgot the minute you're on that field, you better perform. Oh, oh yes. Like that's like what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking thinking about Gabby Seiler coming to league telling me that she's now gone from a female who worked out six to seven hours a day. to now she's literally cannot even walk for 10 weeks and somehow has to get through that and then perform in like a couple months for the team that drafted her. It's like, if I'm somebody and I want my team to improve, not only am I training them to physically be able, mentally be able. And like- Pause, something just made me really laugh. Me and Tina have started watching Ted Lasso Gabs, it's funny because have you seen the second season, the first two episodes? No, of- no, no, I, no, no, because no, I just have no, only no, seen no. the first season. Okay, well, I'm just going to spoil alert. It's it's part of the season, though. They bring in, like, the Richmond, or AFC Richmond brings in a mental uh, a therapist. And it's, oh, like, the greatest, yeah, I mean, it's the greatest thing ever because, like, then she starts talking right? to Ted and, like, it's just hilarious. But, like, that's what we, that's what the NWC yeah, we they do. Well, on that note, cause I think this will transition to what we wanted to talk about next, but I think part of what we're also getting at is like companionship, having people in a, in a community around you that supports you in this kind of yeah. journey. So we wanted to talk to you. Show the ring. Show the, the ring. Oh, uh, God, I was like, wait, where are we going with this? I thought no, I was no, going no, to go. Okay. So yeah. you met Mr. McLean, you're now fiance, back in Florida. You've been together for, I don't know, many, many years. Sorry, I didn't five write years. That. Over five years. Yeah, over, over five, five years. Um, and obviously we know that McLean's also pursuing his passion for tennis, played at Florida. Yeah. Um, while you're pursuing your soccer career. So I actually think this is relevant because there are a lot of people that listen as well as women in the league that have partners that are also pursuing a process, but generally pursuing, most people are pursuing something, right? Yeah. So talk about kind of how you both first have been able to navigate distance, which I know 
has been a big part of your journey for many years, just because you're both kind of going after it. And I know tennis, I don't even know. You probably go every Tennis is wild. Yeah. Yeah. All year round, all over the world. Yeah. It's wild. Um, but talk about that. And then just kind of the, the sacrifices, but also like, there, I think there's also triumphs, right. In the process of like both spending this time in your life to go after that goal but having each other um, and and realizing that like your time and, and sometimes face-to-face stuff, like you have to sacrifice. So maybe normal couples, I don't want to say normal people that aren't in that position get that op- like opportunity to do day to day. You guys maybe get yeah. every once in a while. So talk about that kind of journey. Cause I think we haven't really yeah, talked, no. we haven't touched on it with somebody else, but we think it's a cool part of your story. Yeah. I think one it's been great because when I decided to move to Portland, he was like 100% supportive and wanted me to chase my dreams. And even if he obviously didn't want me to leave, I never would have known that. And I think that was like one, just like a huge plus because I feel like I've also been in relationships where maybe in the past where that wouldn't have been the case and maybe would have held me back. And then I would have resented that person. So I think that's been like the best thing is he's like 100% like, my biggest fan and supports me no matter what. And especially when I moved to Portland, which was really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and also distance has been the hardest thing, but also it's been the most rewarding thing because I feel like it's really made us appreciate our time when it is, when we are together. Um, and also just, I feel like we're always tired, like all the time, just because like we have trainings at different times. Um, we're also, we moved to Houston, so it's really hot. And it's like, I feel like we also grapple with like the same things. And so we, we relate a lot to each other in the sense too, which is great. I feel like I couldn't imagine being with anyone else just because he understands me and I understand him when it comes to like just our, our situations and our sport. Um, but also I think with me getting traded to Houston, there did come a point where it was like, okay, he has supported me for this long. Like I have to do something for him. And I think I kind of had initiated the trade just because I just feel like one, it's really hard to fly in and out of Portland. It's like such a long plane, plane flight. There's time change. And then, um, it's expensive. It's a smaller airport. So I really just felt like I needed to be closer to him, even if it wasn't necessarily a place just on the East coast, to be honest, you know, and just, because yeah. even the time, yeah. the time difference too alone was oh so gosh. hard. Like just, it's it sounds silly. Like I know three hours, but like, no, no but you know, bad. like when I would be going to training my rookie year, it was like 2 PM, which was like 5 PM his time. And then by the time I was leaving training um, and I was going to coach or something, like he would be going to bed. Like it just, I felt like we just, it was so difficult because we were never on the same schedule. Um but we just had each other's back. I feel like through it all. And it definitely was not easy. We had low points and there was times where I didn't know if we were going to make it just because it's hard. And it's, it's, but I'm so thankful that we went through all of that. Cause I feel like so much of that will help us in our marriage now, just because we already have been through so much in those five years. But I think the biggest thing that has stayed true is we just have each other's back and we always will support each other. Even I feel like it's just so important that you do what you love and you support your spouse and doing what they love no matter what. And they have to come to terms with whatever it is, whether it's time to leave soccer, whether it's time to leave tennis. I just feel like you have to be supportive of that because you never want to resent that person that you're with. I could not echo that more because that's exactly what happened with pretty much my husband and I is like, he literally was like, okay, cool. Chicago, like do it. Right. Orlando, do it. This podcast, do it. Like, I'm like, okay, like he just <laughs> has my back and I know yes. he does. Yeah. Um, that's really, really cool. And I think not a lot of people uh touch on that or share that, which is which is something that it's not like I don't know, I just don't feel like people talk about how difficult it is to be in a relationship while playing in the league. Like especially in the NWSL, because it's like yes you know, we can't afford to fly him out. Like that was the thing is like, I just feel like if we were, you know, honestly in the NBA or we probably wouldn't even be talking about it because it would be so much like, to be honest, like if he wanted to not play tennis anymore, he could not live off of my income, but do you know what I mean? It's like, I could support him in some way or help him play, but you can't, you can't can't do it. Like, I feel like, I mean, think about it. Most, a lot of guys in the NBA as an example, like 
they don't even live in the, they don't play in the city in which their family lives. Exactly. Right. Which is crazy to me. I'm like, crazy. So that flexibility. I did want to add something because it, it came up and I think it's something that's been recent. I want to add to this conversation is talking about compensation. I was personally really inspired by your story um, in regards to this initiative going around talking about what women are doing. Um, I had no idea to the extent in which you worked outside of soccer, um, which, you know, you can get into a little more, but, you know, I think it's important to note, right, that these women are not only playing a full-time professional sport, but they're working nearly full-time sometimes. I mean, it's crazy. you talked about coaching a few minutes ago. You talked about working at Orange Theory for a period of time, which is like another active, frankly, an active job that I wouldn't necessarily right. recommend to my players, but like you have to- You have to do what you have to do. You have to do what yeah. you have to do. Even coaching, right? Like it's, a, it's an active job, but it's like, I'm yeah, doing what I'm skilled at. I do what I'm skilled at and I like to coach, you know? So yeah. it's like, I just- it, it really, like, it almost, it gets me fired up a little bit. And Jonah's <laughs> so passionate about this because I just, I know what kind of time, like where your body and mind is at the end of the day. And the idea of leaving a practice and being like, okay, I gotta go work four hours at the orange theory desk slash coach a class slash whatever. That is like so gutting to me because I don't know about y'all, but I've been watching the last couple NWSL games. I mean, we're talking bruisers. bruisers. Oh my gosh. I mean, the that's a whole other. They're brutal. Other, yeah, that's one. Brutal game. So we're not like, this is not like one of those like patty cake leagues. Like right. you get out, especially in Houston. We're not playing badminton. You summer in no, Houston. Like, it is exhausting. Each game, you are each knocked game. out. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would love to just get your thoughts on where you think that, I mean, I'm so happy that they're creating a platform for you guys to share that, but at the end of the day, right, yeah, I want to see action. And so not from you, but from the league or from people that can, I mean, frankly, I just saw a freaking football player at, at Miami sign with the Florida Panthers, the hockey team as like a, a, I'm like, can you sponsor one yeah. of these girls? Like I'll yeah. show up to events. Dang. Like, I know I'm like, yeah. where, how do we get more income? That's not going to like be strenuous on the body and mind every single day and ever make it every single day. Like, where do we find those opportunities? So I'd be just curious, like what you think potentially it could be like at least a start, a stepping stone to improving. Yeah. Honestly, I don't, it's like, I feel like I've been, cause I, because of the side hustle campaign, like so many people have had the same reaction as you, you know, like people like from the Washington post or CNBC, like so many people have like reached out wanting to know more because they're so mind blown. Like, I don't think, I, I don't think people even realize to the extent of like what some of these women do outside of just like, let alone practicing every single day. And even the whole orange theory thing. I remember my teammates, I actually remember not being reprimanded, but I do remember getting a little bit of stink from like, you know, trainers and coaching, but it's like, that's what I had to do. Like I moved to the West coast, had nothing, had no, my apartment wasn't furnished. I didn't have a car. I, it snowed the first day I moved there. Like I didn't know anybody. And like I went one of the most expensive cities. And I went into complete <laughs> debt, obviously, because I had to buy, I think I got a, this is actually laughable. I got a $450 stipend to furnish my whole apartment. <sighs> and I did not have silverware, cups. Not enough, enough, like, Amazon can't help you there, girl. No, no. <laughs> and we went I to went Family to Dollar. Yeah, so we, would, we would have to go in Orlando. We went to the local Family Dollar. Oh, I, went, oh, I shopped at Dollar Tree. I will full-heartedly yes, yes. admit that. Like, that's where I got a lot of my stuff because that's, I had to. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't have a choice. But I remember being a little bit reprimanded. And then, you know, I think I told this a little bit in my story. And I've told some people, like, I ended up tearing my ACL around the same time that I was working at Orange Theory. And again, I'm not blaming it on that. But was I fully 100% probably physically equipped to train every day, work at Orange Theory, coach? No, but at the end of the day, that's what some of these women do, which is makes it even more incredible. Cause I know people still do that now. I realize now looking back, I couldn't, probably shouldn't have been doing that. But in that moment, I felt like that's what I had to do because I was stressed. You know, I was living paycheck to paycheck. Like you're also stressed. like a human being that has responsibilities yeah. like insurance. Ta- we still insurance, pay taxes. Insurance, yes, like, everything. They think it's like I'm like no, no no like they're cool and all. Like I love all the girls. They're you know famous in a sense, but it's like they're still a human. Like they don't get yeah. like outs yeah. on like responsibilities that you have to pay for. Right, but I do tax. think like the having now that we have a PA and 
feeling like that we do have like people we can actually go to because I do feel like even and Joe you've been in the league you were in the league longer than me but like I do feel like even from my rookie year so much has drastically and so much so I know we're going in the right direction it's but still nowhere where it needs to be and I I I know and I just feel like I feel like more like people are starting to sponsor you know like different women in the league I just I hope that that continues to happen I hope people continue to step up and really say that you know like just don't preach equality like I hope people show action with that sure I think that's truly incredible because like especially when you're in hot places (laughs) like when I was in Orlando like we would train at nine and like for those who don't know me like I would have to chug Pedialyte because I sweat like a monster. So it's right. like, then you get home, then you're finally like calm. And all you want to do is take a nap in the cold weather. And then you have to get out there and do individuals or coach or get out and be in that heat again. Yeah. Like, it's Girl, like, you, your girl's HVAC went out last night and I woke up in a pool of sweat. I don't even, could you imagine if I had done something literally, this is where I'm at. <laughs> I didn't even do anything physical. Imagine playing a day of training, coming home and something like that happening. Sweating. Oh my yeah, God. no, it's exhausting. Yeah. The heat here is something heat. I've never, it's something I've never experienced. Yeah. I, I just, I just fully respect the hell out of just your honesty and your openness about everything. And I think what's really cool. And I wanted to touch on it a little bit with your mental health being so open about it is that everybody that knows you knows that you're the most positive, uplifting, you know, joyous human being to be around And just for, for specifically you to open up and, and say, I have these feelings. I'm working like this. This is what I'm doing. It's so, you know, it, it makes everybody feel like if the most positive and sweetest, kindest person is going through something, then who else is going through it? Joe, I, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> this is so no, cute. but it's, it's, no, but it's true. Like you are always one of the most smiling, like, you know, positive you've gone through so much and for somebody to open up and be that honest who is you know but joe you're bringing up a good point about maybe someone assuming that like you're like that every minute of every day yeah that's yeah, not achievable right like it's like i am a positive person but i have bad days too yeah and oh, it kind of normalizes like with that the situation now. yeah you know yeah. yeah and i think you put it i think you put it on your instagram too it's like you're like for anybody that you know like looks at me like you know you know i i am engaged i am these things i i you know, I am, you are all those things. And, and that's what makes you Gabby and why everybody, you know, I, I, one of, I've loved you for, you know, the, how many years we've had a go relationship, <laughs> we go back way back. But like, I think that just shows how, you know, it, it doesn't, mental health doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah, matter. Who no. you are. It, it affects anybody. And yeah. so, especially for you to be so open about it, I think that's really, really special. And to be open about, you know, all these extra jobs, like it's a scary thing to put yourself out there and, and to yeah. speak up. It's a scary thing. Yeah, story. it is. It still scares me a little bit. Just, you know, because you don't want to step on anybody's toes. And I am in the league still. So, yeah. I, you know, you have to, you know, you just. And you can get and waved it, and you can get waved at any point. So it's like, right. Is this right. gonna. It's true. Sometimes you don't yeah. ever feel safe. You don't feel so safe. So it is. Yeah. You don't feel safe. Yeah. Um, but we like to kind of end with a little rapid fire. It's, it's become a fan favorite of the TWAP nation out there. Um, one of the girls that I train also, she requested, she, she had a request, a, a rapid fire request. Oh, so cute. I've added that on at the end. Um, so shout out Siri. This is your question. I'll add it on the end, but, um, all right. What is your favorite coffee drink? Oh gosh. Um, I like anything iced. Okay. Probably my go-to would be just like an iced oat milk latte beautiful same same girly same okay (laughs) describe yourself in three words oh my goodness I hate describing myself um happy um outgoing and but also introverted in a weird way (laughs) I call myself I call myself a um an extroverted introvert. introvert. Me too. And people think oh, I'm crazy. Yeah. When yeah, I they're say like, that. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, no, I need, I, this weekend, I, I need to be alone. I, I, yeah. I was like, nobody talked to me this weekend. Yes. <laughs> um, favorite team to play. Probably Portland. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Um, your current favorite takeout. Oh, um, sushi. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's a no brainer. The television show you're currently binging. Oh, well, Love Island. And I just, I waited for Outer Banks for McLean season two, but Outer Banks. Nice. Yeah. I'm on season or I'm on episode two. I just two. watched season one and I was <laughs> okay, this is worth it. Yeah. It's, and they're dating in real life. So it's like, I know. I know. I know. Your current favorite teammate, they could have bought you coffee, could be your roommate, could be your homie. <laughs> um, Emily Ogle. Nice. Yeah. You're Portland. You're Portland. Uh, yeah, fellow, my girl. <laughs> your fellow Thorn. All right. This is, uh, this is the requested question. What is your pregame meal? Oh, that's a good one. Um, it's crazy. Cause in Houston, I feel like I have to eat so much food. And so I just started doing pancakes, which is a new one. Um, pancakes and oatmeal are normally my, my go-to pasta, like on the road because I don't have a choice, but probably pasta. But if I had a choice, oatmeal and pancakes. Very nice. Siri, your question was answered. (laughs) That was a cute question. Also, I'd like to say Tina and I also go back to the soul days. So yeah, this is like a, this is like we have a legend on the pod. This is like so, a, like I think we have I another correspondent. Her. I'm gonna claim her another correspondent. For the pod. All <laughs> you have to do is basically come back on and potentially <laughs> break news from here and there. Yeah. It's not really news to break, but we like to call you guys correspondent. You, Manny Freeman, and Kira Ricaro. You've been oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah, you also have to be stylish, which you already are. Which you so are. Like, no. Which is very, yeah, yeah. Will you rock? Will this make the Houston runway? Yes, please. All we want to do is just make the Houston runway. (laughs) I'm sitting it, I'm going to ship it out to you tomorrow. Um, Okay. Oh, it'll make the Houston runway. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Listen, I'm like some dolls. I'm going to, I'm going to have some cute bottoms. Don't know what yet. We'll probably throw some burdens with it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. All right. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you guys. And for this next one, we've got Kristen McNabb. Never, never. She is a former UVA who, go who's. Um, she's currently with the OL Reign and has been a long staple in the NWSL. So it's going to be a, a fun chit chat with her, learning all about the OL Reign. She's been on there for the Seattle Reign, now to the OL Reign. Um, she's a, she's a staple in the league. So it's, it's going to be a fun chit chat with her and, and it's going to be a, a good time, a good time with the twops.